God for his goodness and for the wonderful works to the children of men. His third psalm, he says, Lord, how increase are they that trouble me. Many there be which rise up against me. Many there which be saith of my soul. There is no help for me in God. But thou, Lord, art shield for me. You are the glory and you are the lifter up of my head. He says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hills. I laid me down, and I slept, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousand of people which have set themselves against me round about. Rise, O Lord, and save me, for thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto you, and your blessings are upon your people. What a mighty God. God's blessings are upon you. I didn't bring you out to leave you. I brought you out to carry you in. Hallelujah. He's carrying us to a different place. He's taking us to that city whose builder and maker is God. Amen. It is so great to serve Him. Amen. Oh, I love the Lord. I praise Him. For He is worthy of my praise. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Amen. Praise Him in the sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmaments of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him for His excellence, greatness. Praise Him upon the trumpet. Praise Him with the sumptuous and heart. Praise Him with the string instruments and organ. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the hot sounding cymbals. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise you, the Lord. Amen. He's worthy. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. For He is worthy. He is worthy. He is so worthy. He is so worthy of our praise. What a mighty God. Again, it's so good to have Brother and Sister Herman here today. James, my homeboy and friend, it's good to see you again. Praise God. Amen. It's good to have everybody in the house of the Lord again today with us. Amen. And Brother and Sister Herman, has just been a blessing to be with you as always. Again, amen. And, uh, wow, message Friday night. Wow. Great. Yesterday, great. Amen. Praise God. If you wasn't here, let me encourage you to maybe stop by the sound booth back there and see if you can't pick up yourself a copy of the DVD or CD, rather. Amen. And listen to those two messages from Friday and Saturday. You will be totally blessed. Amen. Fire. Fire shield barrier. (laughs) Wow. Got to do it. You got to do it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You can't depend on somebody else. You got to learn to do it yourself. Amen. Praise God. Amen. It's so good to have my dear Presbyter friend with us. So, Brother Herman, sir, we want you to come. Amen. And preach the word of the Lord to us today. God bless Brother Herman. Praise the Lord, everyone. Oh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Why don't we clap our hands to him and just give him some praise? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let me just say uh, again, and you can be seated. I know you've been standing for a while, and uh, that was not my fault. That was your fault, brother. Where have you been hiding the last two days, man? Oh, I like to just... Cut the rug up up in the front here with that. That was awesome, man. Praise God. It has been a uh, joy to uh, be here. And um, again, I appreciate the uh, the Parkers and uh, your hospitality toward us. And um, just, I, I, I told Pastor Parker this morning, I said that that room down in the lower level is so comfortable. I was about ready to start hanging my own pictures uh, and stay a while. It uh, feels like home. I mean, it's just really, it's comfortable. And uh, we appreciate that. But it's not the accommodations. It's the fellowship of not just with them, but the Millers and the DeMuths and, and, and uh, saints of like precious faith. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be here. And um, I, um, I definitely... Um, I've enjoyed myself, and I hope that uh, I hope that we've been able to try to stay out of the way and let the Lord do what He does best, and and bring something uh, to you. 
Uh, it'd be terrible if you came to church and uh, you needed your saddlebags for your journey filled and uh, you left out wanting and you were empty. Uh, that's not the kind of God we serve today. He is looking to put something in us and change something within us. And uh, it is because of that and a uh, distinct privilege to preach the word. And so I, I appreciate the, the honor, and I truly mean it, the honor of standing in another man's pulpit. I've uh, done that many times, and I probably have said it in every one that I've stood behind, and that is I don't treat it lightly when I step into another man's sacred desk. Um, I want to bring the very best that I can and, and a, hopefully a word from the Lord that will fill up your saddlebags and send you on your journey more prepared than when you walked in today. Praise God. What a blessing, though, it is to be in the presence of the Lord. It never gets old. If it ever starts getting old, let that be a red flag to you. you our God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. And... If, if something doesn't feel the same as it used to, then that's my problem, my fault. i got to look at me and uh, praise God. But my God never changes. He is a great and a mighty God. He loves me, and he is a provider. He is a deliverer. He's my salvation. Praise God. Amen. So it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Without a whole lot of further ado, I um, I definitely have something on my, my heart today. And... Um, very near and dear to me, and uh, I want to uh, to share it with you, and um, just ask that the Lord would uh, anoint this and uh, allow me to again uh, not get in the way of what He is trying to do. But I do want to read from two places in Scripture this morning. Um, if you uh, would, I know you've been standing for a little bit, but if you wouldn't mind just standing one more time, out of respect for the Word of God, I'm re- reading from. Uh, Philippians chapter number 3 and verse 13, that's the first place, and then I'm going to bounce over just a few pages to the right to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. So Philippians 3 and 13 and Hebrews chapter number 12, praise God. And if you're there, say amen. Amen. Praise God. Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, uses and presents and paints an analogy for us, gives us a picture of what he's attempting for us to learn. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm going to tell you, that's a challenge in and of itself. Because for a lot of people, there's a lot of things in the past that are troubling and difficult and hard to just forget. We serve a healing God today, though. We serve a God that's trying to help you get past whatever that thing is that you wish you could leave behind. You maybe left it behind, but you haven't left it behind from your mind. Paul says, I forget those things which are behind And as we've talked about the last couple of days, reaching forth unto the things which are before. And I promise you, they're better things. Your future should never be dictated by your past. If God is in control of it, you can be rest in confidence that it's going to be a good thing. Whatever he leads you into, whatever he brings you into, you don't have to be afraid of it. You don't have to worry about it. You just need to know. God is in control, He's sovereign, and He knows the very best for us. His ways are above our ways, His thoughts are above our thoughts. Praise God. I'm thankful for that. I tried it my own way, (laughs) and that didn't work out so well. Praise God. But He said, I'm reaching forth unto the things which are before, and He said, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Hebrews chapter number 12, again attributed to the author Paul. And he writes a very poetic, if you will, few verses of Scripture. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him despised the shame and is set down, endured the cross and despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. I want to speak to you on this subject today. Run, child, run. And when I make reference to, to a child today, I'm talking about the child of God. Run, child, run. Would you lift up your voice this morning and let's just ask God to just do something supernatural and great in this place today. Jesus, we worship you. We magnify you and exalt you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would come into this place in a mighty way. God, that it would begin to move upon the hearts of your people that are here today, Jesus, ready to receive from you. God, I pray that the Word of God would not return void, but it would accomplish the work that it intends to do. Lord, let your will be done today. God, let your desires come to be, come to pass. Lord, let your spirit manifest itself. Lord, with miracles, signs, and wonders, and great transformation of our minds and hearts today. And we will praise you for it. We'll give you all of the glory, give you all of the praise, and we'll do it in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Would you clap your hands to your Lord and Savior today? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. You probably had heard just this past few weeks or so. I didn't have an opportunity to see any of it, but I heard about the Olympics in Rio de Janeiro. And, um, of course, you know, people follow that every four years when that comes along. And we want to know how our... our uh, our athletes from our country, you know, do and that type of thing. And inevitably, there always seems to be a story that comes out that uh, is very uh, heart-rendering, lifts us up, some degree of sportsmanship that's displayed. I was found it interesting in that I read an article just recently about one of the running events. I don't know how 400 meters or whatever it was, and... Uh, the runners took off. They began to make their way around the track. This was a ladies' event. And, and uh, one of the New Zealand runners, she stumbled. And in her stumbling on the track, fell into one of the lanes of the American runner. And they got themselves tangled up, and they stumbled into a pile. She fell over her, and, and the, uh, the American, she injured her ankle. But instead of getting up, even though her race and her her gate and her progress had been impeded by this person she didn't try to get up and take off as fast as she could to get to the finish line so that she could do the best she could but she went back to this runner from new zealand and picked her up and made sure she was okay that she could continue on with the race in which she did the new zealand runner took off and kept going and finally made her way to the finish line and while that was happening the U.S. runner struggled. Suddenly this ankle began to give her problems and it impeded her progress forward. And the New Zealand runner came back, is my understanding, came back to now offer her help and make sure she was going to be okay. And this runner, uh, at a very slow pace, was determined that she was going to finish the race regardless. Kind of ironic that one runner caused the accident, and the other one helped her, and then turned around, and within the same race, the one who had started the whole thing came back to help the one that helped her first. And, and, and when it was all over with, they both crossed the finish line, but the American runner crossed the finish line a full two minutes later than the winner. Now, in, in those events, two minutes is, is a lifetime. You don't win anything with that score. But it showed and it displayed a degree of sportsmanship that caused the stadium to erupt in applause and adoration and acknowledgement of the selfless acts that were displayed by these two runners. That they would forego the opportunity to perhaps have gold or silver or bronze put around their neck 
all for the sake of making sure that somebody else had the opportunity to finish the race. Paul is instructing in the book of Hebrews, this is the same Apostle Paul that wrote a couple of letters that we're probably familiar with, First and Second Timothy. Paul was a mentor. He was one that imparted wisdom and knowledge of ministry to young protégés. And so we get a first-hand account and we get to read the actual correspondence between the mentor and his mentee when we read these letters. This young man in the gospel needed to be proved and trained, and there were some things that only could come through experience alone, but Paul wrote about it and said, I want to warn you about this. This is how you need to proceed in your ministry and your walk with God, because these are the things that you're going to going to endure and have to uh, come in contact with. And so he paints these beautiful pictures, and probably it comes from the culture of the day. The Greeks were quite prevalent in this day, and so, uh, of course, uh, you know, that's where we the Olympics come from, uh, from that Greek culture. And so Paul uses this analogy, these metaphors of running races and, and trying to obtain prizes and reaching for things and, and this, in competition and, and exerting oneself uh, through all of the difficulties to obtain a prize and that type of thing. And so we, we see this, this language in many of his writings. And he's trying to illustrate something for us that we can, we can attach our mind to and appreciate as we apply it. And so in Hebrews 12, he is comparing this walk with God, much like he speaks to Timothy. And he says that it is a race that needs to be run with patience and endurance. He's talking now about this thing, walking with the Lord and, and walking with God, and that there's going to be some difficult times, presumably, because you're going to have to run it with patience, and you're going to have to run it with endurance. And so when we begin, begin to look at these words a little bit, begin to break this, this scripture down just a little bit, now I don't know about you, but patience is not exactly a word that there's some virtues that I'm just not real good at and I'm working on. Patience being one of them. And that's probably going to be the biggest amen I get today, praise God, because I mean, it seems like everybody's got that problem. <laughs> Lord, give me patience, and I want it now. You know, that type of prayer. But it's hard to be patient sometimes. It's hard to wait on the Lord. It's, it's hard. It, it's hard to wait on anything. It's hard to wait on dessert when you order it. You know, it's just it's, it's hard to be patient. But this word patience means, when you look it up in its original language, it means cheerful or hopeful endurance with constancy. And so I think in my definition of patience, I think of more, more of impatience when I define patience. That I'm anxious, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm waiting for something. But, but what Paul is talking about, he, he says, when you run this race, you need to run this thing with a cheerfulness and a hopefulness and an endurance and a constancy. There's got to be a consistency and a constancy with the race that you run. It can't be herky-jerky. It's got to be a steady pace. You may be going through some difficulties. You may go through some times. You ask any runner that runs, anybody that runs long distance or sprints, that you'll reach a point in your body. Uh, things happen in your body. It makes it very difficult to keep going, especially long-distance runners. And we probably have all heard the terminology of second wind, that you get to the place where you feel like your legs are concrete. You feel like you weigh twice as much as you do, and you just you can't make it any further, and you don't know how you're going to put one more foot in front of the other. And then all of a sudden, something changes physiologically in your body. And the next thing you know, man, it's like you just got a new birth all of a sudden. And you're a new man, and you just take off, and it's like this second wind. And Paul is talking about this. He said, when you want to walk with God and, and you, you run this race that is set before you, you've got to do this thing with cheerfulness. Now, I'm going to tell you what, that uh, I liked what you said today in your teaching today. Some people lead by attitude. Some people lead by character. That is so good. I wrote that down because it's really the truth. We cannot live this or run this race, let's put it that way, with our attitude and our feelings. Because I'm going to tell you, there's going to be times when you run the race and you don't feel good. 
There's going to be times you run the race and it doesn't feel good. It's going to get hard. It's going to be difficult. And if you just stopped every time you felt that way, you'd be on the sideline more than you'd be on the track. You'd never get to your goal. You'd never get to where you'd never obtain what it is that you're looking to obtain. Do you see there's a commonality in these three messages this, this weekend? I think I was trying to get us to go somewhere. <laughs> Praise God. And there's got to be this endurance and constancy. And sometimes they just got, we just got to learn how to push through some things. I love the acronym PUSH. Pray until something happens. Listen, it's not fast food. You know, God give me and then it shows up. It, we, sometimes we just got to learn how to push through some things. We've just got to press through some things, praise God. It isn't always going to come at the moment that we think it is. As a matter of fact, the answer may be different than we think, not only coming at a different time, but it may not be the one we were thinking was going to happen. Praise God. But we've got to endure. We've got to push. We've got to be constant in it. Praise God. And so there's this active persistence. Praise God. I I wish sometimes I could be as persistent in my walk with God as I was in the world. Let me tell you something. When the weekend started coming, I was already planning in my mind what what I was going to do. I was already working it out. I was already stocking up the fridge. The liquor cabinet was already full. I already knew what I was doing, where I was going to go. I already had it all. I wish I was that persistent in my walk with God sometimes. But in the world, I was persistent. You could be guaranteed there was going to be a glass getting filled with something. Praise God. That's how my, my life was. I was persistent and I was constant. But I sure wasn't cheerful. So Paul is teaching that this race can't just be run any old way, but if we're going to run it, we're going to have to run it a particular way, and he's trying to teach us this. And presumably he taught these same kinds of language and word pictures to illustrate to him what he was going to need to do as he went into the ministry of the gospel. Now we read First and Second Timothy, and those are letters that Paul wrote to his young protege. You probably don't know this. You Bible scholars might know this. But there was actually a letter that Timothy wrote back to Paul. And, and, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll just read like the salutation, the opening few verses of it. This is what it says. Timothy, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Paul, my own father in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 3. Dude, Really? Why didn't you tell me what it was really going to be like serving God? This is Timothy writing back to Paul now. When you taught me that I was going to be running the race, this is verse 4, you didn't tell me that the track was going to be littered with all kinds of obstacles. Hey, man, we're in the ministry. It's supposed to be smooth sailing. That's not a real letter, okay? You're pastor's going to have to straighten all that out after I leave. (laughs) That was my version. But Peter writes it this way. Listen to this. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I've been given something that I'm expected to give to somebody else. Praise God. That sounds good. We like that. That's good. If any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles of God. And if any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, those are two good verses. I like those verses. That's awesome. God's given me something. He expects me to use it. Let his grace and his manifold grace, you know, be be glorified and, and all of that and Power and dominion and all that forever and ever. Amen. Now, you know what amen means, right? So be it. Done. It's like a period at the end of a sentence. Now, Peter's supposed to stop here. That's what I get from amen. But he doesn't. I wish he would have, because listen to what he says. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. I'd rather go back to every man's received the gift and so minister the manifold grace to everybody else. (laughs) But he said, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. 
don't be dismayed and don't be perplexed and don't sit back and go, I can't believe this. i got to be the only person on the face of the earth that's ever had this happen to him. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but you, you, have, you are not the icebreaker. You are not the first. And you are probably not going to be the last. And matter of fact, it may happen to you again. Praise God. But this fiery trial. But rejoice. Now, this is where it really gets crazy. It's not bad enough that the fiery trial, and I'm not supposed to be shocked and dismayed. I'm supposed to just accept it as, and this is just normal. But then he says, you're supposed to rejoice over it. Rejoice. Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. But if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Praise God. I don't want to give you a glorified pep rally here today. But I want to tell you something. There, is, there, there are difficulties that we go through. And, and there's things that come that are so absolutely unexpected in our lives. There's things we do not plan for. There are things that are done to us that we don't ask for. We don't even deserve them. Many times, uh, uh, things that happen to us, yes, there are, some of them are from our own decisions. We suffer our own consequences. That is true. But things come from every direction and every possible conceivable reason behind them. It, it is just living life that way. And, and I want to tell you something. If you think for a moment that just, you know, being a preacher uh, makes you devoid of having and, and you somehow excluded from all of that, I would I would. Can I just testify to you today? That's not the truth. I know that's a shock to some of you, probably, but. Sometimes we put on such high pedestals, you think that just everything is just, you know, a perfect and lines up and is a joy. But I want to tell you something. I, I told you the other night, I said that um, sometimes the easiest thing for me to do is just to be transparent because nobody can tell my own story as well as I can. And I don't want to embellish this in any kind of way, but I will tell you that over the last year, and that's why I love your pastor so much, because there was times where, and through that difficult year, I remember times we would be together at camp or whatever, and this man would pray for me. And uh, I went through probably the most difficult time in my, there's no doubt it was the most difficult time in my ministry the last couple of years. I want to tell you that the enemy just had a field day. All of the things that, it was kind of like Paul talking to Timothy. These are going to, this is going to happen to you. This is what's going to happen. But you can't appreciate it, folks, till you go through it. I mean, you can prepare all you want, okay? I mean, the weathermen can tell you, hunker down, here comes the tornado. But nothing prepares you when the, when the, when the walls start shaking. I mean, it's just, there's no, there's no comparison. And so, I will tell you that when I started pastoring 11 years ago, I had ideas and notions. Now, I was not so naive to think that my plans, that I could go and announce what's going to happen to God and that's what's going to take place. I mean, I wasn't that ignorant. But I think it's okay to dream. It's okay to think ahead. It's okay to desire some things, to want some things. I think it's okay to share that with the Lord with the understanding that His will, not my will, be done. And that if it falls in His realm of, 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 of uh, desire then so be it, let it happen. But I had all kinds of preconceived notions about what ministry was going to be like, how the church was going to grow, what was going to happen, and always putting the little asterisk next to it saying, but God, if you want to change this and you have a different idea, then you go ahead and do it. And yet at the same time, as time went on, things happened, and, and difficulties with situations with people and and there's a lot of heartache and i found that uh you know you can know in your mind that you invest in people you can invest in things and 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 lose them and have them fall through your hand like sand through your hand nothing will prepare you for that there's a lot of hurts when you give there's a lot of hurt that comes back uh to you and and so i had this picture in my mind of how things were going to go and they didn't always go that way and it became difficult. And, and, and all of a sudden you start to question yourself. Next thing you know, you're questioning your own ability to lead. 
You're questioning your own ability to inspire people and to, to teach people. And, and the enemy likes to get in there and have a field day and mess with your head and, and tell you, well, you know, you thought you were called here, but maybe you're not. And you think to yourself, no, I know of a surety that God brought me to this place. But yet there's that little voice in the back of your head saying, yeah, but look at what's happening. If he called you here, why is this, why is this mess going on? And why is this thing happening over here? And about the time that that had me rocked on my heels a little bit, and I needed to find a place of, of reconciling it. It was just my personal time in my life and in my ministry. This, this is not you, this. Where you just all of a sudden, now you've got to, you've got to get into a place of pushing. We're running this race, and, and this is the stumble part. This is the put over to get through it, however you're going to do it, but it's in your path. And so, at our, at our daughter work, and we bought a building. I thought I'd worked hard previous to that. I thought I knew what it meant to work hard. I had no clue what it meant to work hard until we started refurbishing that building. And I took two weekends off in the period of eight months, and I do not recommend that to anybody. And what was left to me at the end of it, I hardly even recognized at times. And there was such a low point in my my life physically and, and even spiritually. It affected everything. But it was something. I was doing it for the kingdom of God. I knew that it needed to be done. There was no choice. There was deadlines that needed to be met. And, and it just it was a time where you just had to hunker down and just do it. You can't complain about it. You just got to press through it. And there's times when it's not easy. There's times where living for God is just not easy. There are difficulties. There are things that we have to push through. We can't quit. We can't lay down. We can't roll over. We can't stop. Can I tell you today? Here's the news. There's nowhere else for you to go. You can't go back into the world. There's nothing there. You gotta keep moving. You might as well just endure it. You might as well just fight your way through it because there's nothing back there. There was nothing back there that fixed your life. There was nothing back there that took away your addictions. There was nothing back there that soothed your soul. There was nothing back there that brought you the joy that you have today. There was nothing back there that did that. There was nothing that brought you into the presence of God. You're here now, but you're pushing through some things, but, but you're moving in the right direction. Don't go back because there's nothing back there. And so Paul says we're to run this race with patience and we're to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily, does so easily beset us. And that word weight there just means a mass or a burden. Sometimes we carry some things that are, it's hard to run when you've got a backpack on. Now, I was in the Air Force, so we didn't run with rucksacks. <laughs> we ran a little bit and then we sat down in chairs and drank lemonade. Um, <laughs> but I heard about you guys. <laughs> you actually got to run with some stuff on your back. I had to run with a heavy T-shirt. It was full of sweat. It was a heavy T-shirt. It was it was grueling. <laughs> Praise God! Can I get a witness? But it's hard to run when you got a burden. You're carrying a weight. That scripture sometimes mis is misunderstood. The sin which doth so easily beset us, it's not so much the sin that we have in our lives, but it's talking about sin in general that's all around us. We, we, we are not part of this world. We have to live in it, but we're not part of it. And there's a challenge in that. It's a challenge not to be affected and infected by the things of this world, the attitudes of this world, the desires of this world. It takes some work, folks, to run this race. If you want to run it properly and you want to obtain the prize, you've got to put some work into it. And keeping ourselves separated unto God and separated from the world is a difficult thing. It's a lot of, it's, you got to do it on purpose. And so he said this, you've got to run this race with patience and you've got to lay aside every weight, remove it off of you. And you need to be aware of the sin that is around you that can so easily beset you. I'm telling you, it's amazing. You know, I'll wake up one day and I'll, I'll have copped an attitude and it's like, well, where did that come from? That's not the Holy Ghost. Well, you know that you come in contact with things every day that, that infect you. And next thing you know, your thinking's not right and your actions aren't right. And you think to myself, man, I don't even recognize myself. I gotta get back in prayer. I gotta get back running this race because if, if I don't, I mean, I can't be like this. This is what I was, not what I want to be. Praise God. And he says, 
And we've got to run this race, laying aside these weights and the sin that so easily besets us, and then looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one that endured. Praise God. That's the example. I want to tell you something today when, when it's difficult. You know, uh, uh, Peter wrote about it and he said, listen, don't be shocked and surprised. Don't think it's strange that you go through these fiery trials. You're going to go through them. And when you go through them, you need to remember something. You are identifying with your Savior in all that he went through. Something joyful about that. You can rejoice because you're, you're participating. Just thank him for the craziness in your life. One of my favorite quotes came from Theodore Roosevelt. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbled would have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. Folks, I'm telling you, what he's saying is this. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't, it, you don't listen to the critic. It's not about the criticism. You're going to fall. You're going to sweat. You're going to bleed. You're going to stumble at times, but you've got to get back up again. If you want to know the very height of victory, you've got to get back up and you've got to keep moving forward. Praise God. Don't worry about the critics. Don't worry about the naysayers. You've got an enemy today that wants to see you fail. He wants to cause you to stumble. He's going to stick his foot out while you're racing past on the track. But I want to tell you today that if you will just persevere, if you'll run this race with constancy, if you'll run it with patient endurance, if you'll run it with cheerfulness, God will take you through He'll bring you to where he wants you to be, praise God. Don't look at the critic. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him despised the cross. He endured the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise God. Praise God. Let me read Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3 in the Amplified. I love the Amplified too, brother. It's just awesome. He says, just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Reckon upon and consider it all in comparison with your trials, so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. We look to Jesus and recognize the price that he paid, the horrific thing that he endured for us. Loving us so much, commending his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, think about it. Scarcely would a man give his life for another when he loves him and gets along with them. But what do you do when somebody who is, who is terribly offended you and yet still willing while we sinned against him, he was still willing to pay a price for us? Praise God. There's something about my Savior and his endurance and his cheerfulness. The joy that was set before him. I'll tell you what he saw hanging on the cross. He looked ahead and he saw today. He saw this service right here. He saw us sitting here under the sound of the foolishness of preaching. And the building of faith and the encouragement that comes from the word of God. He looked ahead and he saw you and he saw your situation wherever it may happen to be. Wherever you are in this, this race, this run that you're running, wherever it is, he saw it. He saw you. He's, you say, well, I've, I've stumbled. I've fallen on the track. He's there. He saw it. He saw it way back at Calvary. He saw And there was joy. You know why? Because you're here. You're here. There's an opportunity here. There's a chance here. There's, there's an opportunity to get back up and fix this whole thing, praise God, and keep on running, praise God. So let me get to the heart of what I wanted to talk about today. He says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. 
I got to reading that scripture one day, and my mind, I like to, like, well, for instance, I read the Gospels, and I read the stories about Jesus talking to certain people. I like to picture what's happening. I like to picture him talking to them and, and the looks on their faces, and somehow it brings it, brings it alive to me. And I can appreciate it a lot more. It's not a story anymore. It's actually something I feel like I can, I can see and, and, and look at the responses of people and, and appreciate the background of what's going on. And, and so I'm looking at this verse, and I'm thinking this is really curious language. You know, we're seeing, wherefore we're seeing, uh, uh, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And I thought, what does this mean, and, and what is this trying to say to me? And the word compassed means enclosed. Or encircled. So basically you're surrounded. Okay? I thought, well, what are we surrounded with? We're compassed about, but what are we compassed about with? And it says that we've got this great cloud around us. And the meaning of that word cloud, cloud is used a couple of times in Scripture, but there's two different words that's used for it. It's two different Greek words. It depends on what you mean by it. In one sense, it means a cloud, as if you could look up in the sky and see the definition of a, of a, of a, it looks like a piece of cotton ball up there in the sky. That would be a cloud. That's a certain Greek word used to describe it with a distinction of a shape. It's a cloud. But this is not that type of word. This particular Greek word means to, uh, a great mass of cloud covering the entire visible space of the heavens it's without definition it's without form in my mind i picture just a great fog settling down we saw it this morning got up in the fog in the valley was very thick and and you know you couldn't look up and see the bluffs that's what we're talking about today he said we're we are compassed we're enclosed and encircled by this great enveloping mass this fog, if you will. But what is this made up of? Is this just uh, um, moisture particles? Is this just water particles? Or what is this cloud? What is this thing that surrounds us? And it says that we are enveloped by this great cloud of witnesses. And that word is martus. And the word martus is where we get the word martyrs. And so what Paul is speaking of here is he's saying, listen, you are surrounded Not just by a couple of people watching you, but you are surrounded, you are enveloped, you are literally blanketed by those that have gone on before you, that have blazed a trail, have blazed the path, those of faith. And and I got to thinking about this, and all of a sudden it clicked, and I thought, I get it, this makes sense to me. Because verse number or, or chapter number 12 starts out with this description, but it is the ending of chapter 11. And we understand Hebrews chapter 11 is being what we affectionately refer to as the hall of faith. And so when we read about the hall of faith, it is a chronicle of great men and women of faith throughout history. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Rebecca. All of these, all of these great uh, uh, bastions of faith, these great examples of faith are listed in the hall of faith. And so we read that whole chapter. We read about all of these great things that people did and all of their faithful acts and how God counted it uh, as, as to righteousness, uh, counted it righteousness unto them because of their, their great faith. And so that is the, that is the context under which chapter 12 is written. When it was written, there was no chapter delineations. The letter kept going. Chapter 11 just kept going into chapter 12. The thought kept going. So Paul is not starting a completely different thought. It's predicated on what he just was talking about. He was just talking about this great list of people that had, had exerted and, exam, and, and exampled great faith in their life. And then he says, and you, you now, I'm bringing it back to you, saint of God, you are now encompassed, you are encircled, you're enveloped by this great cloud of martyrs that have gone on before you. And they encircle you. And suddenly I got this picture in my mind of, 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 of a sporting event. And when you go to a sporting event, you go to a stadium. Stadium or you go to a field, um, you don't just have a couple people standing around on the sidelines looking, but but they build the stands and the bleachers on both sides and, and sometimes all the way around this thing, and they build them as high as they 
can build them and get as many people in there so that everybody's got a view. And there's overhanging levels and all designed with the angles to allow the maximum number of people to be able to view uh, the event that is going on in that particular place. No different than when they did the Olympics and they do it in a stadium. And, and the place is packed full of people and they are watching the ones that are running. And if you'll just give me some liberty here today, what Paul is saying is there are those that have gone on before us that are looking at your your life. They're looking at your situation. They're watching you run. They ran before, but their race is now over. Praise God. They are listed, if you will, in the hall of faith. They, they have, they have attained the prize. They have reached forward. They got it. They got the medal. But now you're still out on the track. You're still racing. And they are watching you. They are looking at you. But I want you to think about this for a second. A stadium is not built just so that people can watch. It is a participation sport. It's the twelfth man. It's the spectator. It's the fan, short for fanatic. Have you ever been to Lambeau Field? You know what a fanatic is. If people are crazy. I mean, you take a leather football, somebody crosses a, 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 you know, a line that's painted on grass, and everybody just explodes. They go crazy. And they are, they are uh, you know, rooting them on in the last two minutes of the game when they're behind by a couple of points. Somebody's got to bust through. Somebody's got to score. Come on, it's two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Somebody's got to get a base hit and get that guy from third home. I mean, something's got to happen. There, somebody's got to win. There's only a few moments left. Someone's got to... Knock that puck into the net. There's there's a group of people that are on the outside encompassing those athletes saying, Come on, you got to do it. Come on, you can do it. Can I just say today, I'd like to include, it's not just the martyrs that have gone on before us, but it's us. Uh, we're looking at each other. It's those that we, we uh, live this life with. There's those that we serve God with. It's your brother and your sister today that ought to be cheering you on. We're surrounded today by this great cloud of witness to say, come on, get up, come on, I know you stumbled, I know you've fallen, praise God. This is a small fraternity, child of God. You're not going to get your support out in the world. Don't go out there looking to get your wounds licked out there. Man, they'll inflict another one on you. And then they'll take your stuff. But I want you to know today, I said everything I just said today to just try to get to this point. You don't run alone. You don't run by yourself. And if there was ever a need in the church today, it would be that we would love and support and lift up and help one another. You are not designed to run this race alone. That's why Paul's picture and, you know, making this picture, he wants you to know there's a stadium full of people and they're there to cheer you on. You're not doing this by yourself. You can't run this race by yourself. You're not in the stadium alone. And just like those two runners when they stumbled and fell over each other and tried to help each other out, the place exploded because people said, Now come on, help her up. Come on, you can make it. Yeah, you're not going to get a medal. I know, but, but, but you can finish the race. And I want to tell you today, we need each other. Praise God. When the runner is running and he or she falters, there ought to be somebody encircling, encompassing all around them to pick them up and to lift them up. I'm telling you today, I need you and you need me. Praise God. We can't do this thing alone. And when we stop running, I've watched people pull away and isolate themselves. The thing that scares me the most as a pastor is when I see people going through struggles. And I've seen some pretty deep struggles over the last few years. Some real serious events in people's lives. And they begin to pull away slowly. And they begin to shut people away and shut them out and try to handle it on their own. But they're not really handling it on their own because it's not meant to handle it on your own. The writer of Proverbs said, Through desire a man having separated himself seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. When you, when you separate yourself from everybody else. These things meant to be lived together. We are an integral unit. This is the body of Christ. It's made up of many members and they're all important. They all need to be connected. 
You can't saw my left hand off and expect it to be functional and be a, be a benefit to my body. It's not going to work. It can't be detached. And so there is something important about not separating ourselves. I want to tell you, we've got to have an awareness of people in the church that sometimes people are struggling. Just like Teddy Roosevelt said, he said, hey, it's not the critic. Don't pay any mind to the critic. That's the guy who won't get in the arena. That's the guy that won't run the race. That's the guy that won't pay the price. That's the guy that won't put the effort forth. That's the guy that's not going to obtain a prize. That's not the guy you need to worry about. Don't worry about the critic, but what we need is not critics. You're going to see people stumble in the church. You're going to see people go through some struggles. Can I, can I just help you today? Don't look at someone and say, my goodness, man, I'll tell you what, I wish they'd get a little bit more spiritual. Would you just go over and just give them a hand? Would you help them up? Would you say, come on, you can keep running this race. Come on, I know you're going through some things. I know it's difficult, but you need me and I need you. I might be the next one stumbling. You're going to come back for me and help me, but we need each other, praise God. There's something about the unity of the church that is so imperative in this day. I'm telling you, I don't have to be afraid of sin. I don't have to be afraid of the world. There's nothing about the devil that I ought to be afraid of. But what I need to be afraid of is what happens on the inside, the inside of myself and in the inside of the body of Christ. If he can get into this church house and he can get into your relationships and he can begin to fracture and he he can begin to break things apart, then he will systematically dem- demolish and dismantle the body and all of its effectiveness. You're part of this church, look around. And if you're not part of this church, look around. Because if you're not part of this church, James, you've got a family, you don't even know it. Brother, you need to just keep coming back. There's people here that are going to lift you up and help you. And I'm not talking about your physical legs, I'm talking about your spiritual legs. Because you could still run. Praise God. These, are, these ought to be the most important people in your life. Because they're the ones that are going to pick you up by the hand and say, come on, you could go a little bit further. Come on, you can do it. I've been where you're at. I've stumbled. Look, look, i got the bruises. i got the scars on my knees. I've fallen. But come on, would you just get back up and would you run with me? Come on, come on, just come on along with me a little bit. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I got to find a place to come in for a landing. It's a grueling race, but it's just for a moment. He looks at the triumph of the reward as he hangs on the cross. Sometimes all we see in front of us is the race that's set before us. But folks, Paul said, I, I don't count myself as having apprehended. You know, here's a, here's a guy we look at, wrote, wrote most of the New Testament. The great apostle Paul, we put him on some kind of hierarchy. But as I said the other day or other night, whenever it was, I said, you know, we're just fellow strugglers. God used him in a way. You say, well, he could never use me that way. How do you know that? How do you know that? And, and yet here's Paul saying, you know, I've been running I've been faithful, and, and I don't feel like I've obtained. I'm still working on this thing. Paul's still working on Paul as he's reaching others. He said, I, I don't count myself as having apprehended, but this one thing I do, though, I, I don't worry about what's behind me. Every stumble, every trip, every fall, every time I got tired and slowed down and lost a little time, I don't worry about any of that. I put it behind me, and... All I'm doing is reaching forward. Because I do see a finish line up there, and I know it's coming. I know it's going to end. Our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, worketh for us a far more an exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I'm telling you, there's, there's something about that eternal reward that is so great that it does not matter what we go through in this life. But while we're running in this life, let's make sure we obtain the prize. Let's make sure we grab hold of the, of the reward. Let's make sure we grab hold of that goal. Let's make sure that we get what, what God has promised us. Praise God. I want a crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give me at that day. But not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. Praise God. Keep running. Keep running. Keep running. Keep Keep running, press toward the mark or the prize of the 
high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me today? I, I would just want to do something. And, I, you know, if you're here and you're a guest here today, I don't want to, I'm not trying to embarrass you or anything, okay? But we're a small group of people. I think we can all fit up here. And the reason I want you to come up here, if you would, is because I want you to be close to each other. Praise God. Can you do that? Just step out of your, just step out of your seats. I'm up here for just a moment. Praise God. Praise God. I just want you to find somebody that's appropriate to just maybe take their hand or put your hand on their shoulder. Just just somebody. Folks, I've watched the devil just tear people's relationships apart. I've watched him get into the church and start to dismantle the love. Jesus said he's going to know that you're his disciple by measuring what? Does anybody know? Your love for one another. Praise God. And it does not matter what the thing is that you go through or struggle with or you know, what you encounter on the, ro- on the road as you race toward the prize and you press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what it is. What matters is how we help each other get through it. I just ask you right now just to close your eyes for just a moment. You've got somebody's hand right now. You may or you may not know the things that they struggle with or are going through. Maybe their race right now isn't a full-out sprint. Maybe it's just a stumbling around and can't even stay in the right lane. But I pray that you lift up your voice this morning. And would you begin to pray for that person? God, you know every circumstance and every situation in this room today. You know every struggle. You know every battle You know every fight. You know every mistake. You know every shortcoming. God, I'm asking you right now that you would use the hand that I take to hold someone else's to lift them up in the Spirit. Take them by the hand and lift them up in the Spirit. I don't need to know the circumstance. I don't need to know the details. I just want to lift them up today. Let me be the conduit. The one that reaches down and pulls them up. That they might run a little quicker. Run a little faster. Run with a little more constancy today. Run with a little more patience. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, on someone else's behalf today. This is not about a selfish thing. This is about a selfless thing this morning. Praise God. If we're going to push forward, we're going to have to push forward together. Come on, we're the body of Christ. We're moving in lockstep in unity toward the prize. Come on, we all need to make it. Everybody needs to make it. Everybody needs to be successful. Everybody needs to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Everybody needs to hear it. Come on, that's it. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. I intercede today, Jesus. God, let your spirit come and strengthen and minister. And lift up. God, let your, your strength today, God, be infused into the, to the runner's legs. Lord, let the, the wind and the air and the breath of the Holy Ghost, God, fill their lungs. 
God, bring a second wind of the Holy Ghost into their lives today, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm not going to be critical of my brother or critical of my sister. I'm going to be understanding. I'm going to be compassionate. When I see him struggle, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be the first one to offer that word of encouragement. I'm going to be the first one to lift them up and help them. Praise God. I'm going to exhort them so much the more as we see the day approaching. Come on, say to God, you don't run alone. You don't have to feel lonely anymore. You don't have to feel like you're, you're out there on an island by yourself. You don't run alone. Come on, there's a great cloud of witnesses surrounding you today. There are those that have gone on before you and there, there are those that are still with you. They're not spectators. They're not just watching. They're cheering. They're lifting you up. They're there for you. Come on, you're not by yourself today. You're not alone. There's somebody that loves you today. Come on, there's somebody that'll, that'll run alongside you for a little bit. They'll take time out of their own race to race with you. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.